Well, hello there. Hello and welcome to another episode of the A Full Quota podcast. Uh, this is your South African cricket podcast, your number one South African cricket podcast, to give you everything that you need to know about South African cricket. If you feel like you've seen Tim and myself um, throughout this week, yes, you have. We've done like, it's like the third podcast of the week. Um, but we love it nonetheless because this is the most important one of the week. Largely because the Momentum Proteas are about to play in a semi-final against England. Uh, the last time the two teams played, England won by two wickets with two balls to spare. The last game they played, South Africa won uh, that game um, as well. It late, I think it was it was quite late in the in the piece. I think England needed another spinner in the last over. They did South Africa managed to get over the line with three wickets. So it's quite interesting. So we've we've got we've got Melissa. Uh, ready to chat to us. But Tim, how are you doing? Um, there's some Proteus discussion happening. You're telling me about Keshav telling us that there's grass on the pitch, but it's a four-day pitch. And I don't see this this game lasting uh, five days, but there will be rain. But how are you doing? I'm doing good. good. Um, um, as you say, we, uh, we're going to have all our, our, our eyes peeled on, on this particular game, but it's a big, big week for both mm. men and women. But uh, yeah, looking looking forward to the to the semi final. I think that's the big thing. I'm I'm not so much um, worried. I'm looking forward mm. to it. That should be a cracking game. <laughs> you're not so much worried as you're looking forward to it. I'm actually excited. I think for me that's that's what it is. But let's bring Melissa uh, and let's have a chat with her. Hi, Melissa. How are you doing? Hi. Good. Thank you. Nervous too. I must say. <laughs> um, look. I think for us, for me, it's it's. I'm, I'm I'm not a superstition person, and I think they asked Sunay about this um, today as to how much of it, because obviously everyone's talking about like the, the winning the game and trying to get through, and how much of it is enjoying. And I'd like to enjoy this experience. I think as a South African cricket fan, and I don't like to refer to the men's team when we talk about the women's team, but as a South African cricket fan, semi-finals are always tense. And I think the team that's less tense actually will end up winning. And so for me, I want them to actually go out and enjoy because I think they've played some great, they haven't played the best cricket, but they've played some good cricket. So I just want them to just enjoy the moment, uh, forget about what happened in 2017. Um, and because and if they play to their thing, I think they can win. Uh, but yeah, that's why we have you here. So we can discuss England as we go through. Um, uh, through uh, through this uh, podcast, uh, but just a quick uh, reminder, please, to everyone who's listening to us, everyone listen to commentary of the game. We'll be live at three a.m. tomorrow morning to bring you everything that you need to know. Just subscribe to our, our channel, One World Sports Radio. Uh, Melissa, my question to you, my first question to you is: England's tournament has been roller coaster. It started off with three losses, and at that point when we win, win South Africa won that game. What did you think they were going to make it to the semi-finals? No, entirely not. And I think a lot of the the England women's players have actually spoken out too and they were going, we didn't think it was possible for us to qualify either. Kate Cross has come out mm -hmm. and gone, we all just assumed we were heading back as soon as as soon as we needed to. But um yeah, there was definitely 
uh, a bit of dismay, I think, after the, the South Africa game, especially with, and again, what you're saying, don't like to bring the men into it too much, but it's not exactly like our men are having a great time at the moment either. So it's <laughs> not the best time to be an England cricket fan. But now that they have qualified into the semi-finals, it almost feels as if the entire England cricket fan base is just clutching onto this game just for a like, tiny little bit of hope. So it's it's quite miraculous they're there to be honest i think everyone would agree yeah um when we had you on earlier you, you went through the squad you went through the players you told us ones to watch out for and you said that natalie Siva would be crucial to england's progress and how far they would go and that's 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 happened she's been she's been excellent in this tournament um her numbers are, are right up there. She's, she's got more runs than, than anyone else in, in the squad. So uh, how important is her as a team that she's done well to keep you in, in those games? I, in I mean, probably indispensable to England at this point. They, it would definitely be easy to say they haven't quite come together as a squad. And within especially these games, you need that one person to go out there and get the big score. That has been that silver a lot of the time. But you need that person to support her. You can't build a partnership on your own. I think that's where England went wrong in their first few games. I mean, take that first game against Australia before we'd even spoken last time. She was just this lone beacon in the England innings with not much support around her and it's been this reoccurring trend for the England team. We've seen a few standout performances from Amy Jones has popped up, Tammy Beaumont has contributed but the teams who are doing successful, mainly Australia, I think something like six of their batters are in the top 10 run scorers of this tournament. You suddenly think with them, if it, I mean it's, out, it's outrageous but you think you Australia, you get them three down and it's not even, you, you don't even feel in the game because there's about five more to come who will, can easily take the game away from you. And I think England and South Africa are both those teams who have struggled sometimes. One or two batters stand out a bit, but sometimes you need that scorecard, which when you go down it, there's, you know, every batter in that top six making mm -hmm. a contribution of above 30. And that's, I mean, in this game, Coming up, it's going to be the key difference, I think, between the two teams, and especially Nat Sivers' role for England, the same as Laura Woolfart for South Africa. Mm. Yeah, it's actually going to be quite interesting to see. Um, I know England didn't say they haven't played their best game, but let's let's go through what went wrong in the first three games and then what changed in the final four. Um, I know Heather Knight was talking about the, the four knockout games, and I know in those games, well, in the three of the four games, England actually chased games. They bolt first and they bolt teams out. I think they bolt New Zealand out for 203, India out for 134, and Pakistan out for 105. Was it just the bowling that needed to change or, or what, what else came through in those, in those four games? I think in those four games, it was just the, the batters and the bowlers working in harmony, working in unison. I mean, I'm trying to even think back to the first few mm. games. That game, the first game against Australia, England's bowlers completely let them down. Australia racked up that 300 plus total. In the second, I'm, I mean, I'm even trying to remember the second and third mm. games now because I think I've wiped them out of my memory. But, I, you know, in that game against South Africa, the bowlers, they're not quite in the performance at the end. Mm. And only, it's a combination of, I think when the team's presented with almost a, a a problem of going here, four wins and you can do it. And that 
almost click something on in your brain and says, okay, guys, we can still do this. And it sets that goal. And I feel that once you see that goal, which what England's done, that's one of the factors which has made them change their game. But the, the second factor, as I said, being the batting and bowling coming together. I mean, Heather Knight said that in that game against Pakistan, that was the first time their, their two kind of bowlers and batters, that those groups have come together. And it's all too and well, obviously, doing mm. that against Pakistan and Bangladesh, some of the weaker sides of this tournament. But it's just going to be interesting to see whether they can continue that momentum against a stronger team like South Africa. They said they've just come into their almost peak form at the right time in the tournament. So this game will really tell. But it's a similar trend to what we saw, you know, throughout the ashes of just really mm. one side really puts for a standout performance. and They're just let down by the batters or the bowlers. And mm. I understand England have been away for a long time, but a lot of the other teams have as well. And this excuse of tiredness is coming up a lot, which <laughs> I understand they've been away for a long time. But as everyone in the women's game wants to be, when you want to be treated as professionals more, you want to go on more tours, you want to be on an equal playing field with the men, you're going to have to get used to these longer tours. I always use the example of Chris Wokes for England. He's been away with England since the T20 World Cup went straight onto the Ashes, went straight onto those series in West Indies without much break. And this is going to be something happening a lot more for the women. So they can't attribute their performances not coming together to tiredness. I don't think that excuse really stands. They've just got to think about the performances they put through when they work in unison. And that's how they're going to succeed in the semi-final. Yeah, that's that's actually a really good point about, about the women's game, about how how it's changing, um, you know, the last couple of years. The thing here is the experience for the England side. They haven't played that well, but how important is it to have those experienced uh, players in there, the Crosses, the Beaumonts, in that squad, because they've, they've won a World Cup. They know how to do it. Mm. They know how to go and win those big games. South Africa, at the moment, they know how to get to a semi, they don't know how to get to the next the, to the, the next Well, line. it's easy. Just win a game. Do you think that is? Huh? I mean... Yeah, the, but the, it's mental. From a mental point of view, how, how, how important do you think it, it is? Uh, massively important, to be honest. I've, you know, as you say, those experienced players, they're going to be absolutely key because the pressure... Well, it's actually interesting. I've always tended to notice across domestic competitions that you always seem to have better games in the semi-finals. They always seem to be closer affairs. And then often when you reach the final, one team seems to dominate. And it's not very often you get a close final. But the semi-finals are where the nerves come out entirely, I think. They absolutely just burst out of both teams. So whichever team can rein them in the most and really control them will succeed the most. They'll be able to handle the pressure. I think England's is going to be key because the close games they've had in this tournament, they've lost. And apart from that New Zealand game, of course, but the games against Pakistan and Bangladesh, they absolutely sailed through to victories. So they haven't quite been on the spot as much. So they're going to have to look back in hindsight saying, our senior players, you've dealt with this before in the 2017 World Cup. How do we translate it now? How do we try and convey to these younger players what it feels like? I mean, the all likelihood is that they will be playing Charlie Dean in this squad. 
just with her recent success and with South Africa's perhaps weakness towards spin. So it's the players like her who are going to be searching and looking to these more senior players and go, how do I deal with this pressure? How do I deal with the crowd watching? How do I deal with getting through my 10 overs? And that's really important. But I mean, in terms of this tournament in isolation, I think South Africa's in a much better mental state, just based purely mm-hmm. off the games they've played. They've had some of the tightest games in this tournament so far. I mean, I don't know how you guys have made it and kept your heart rate low, to be honest. <laughs> it's, they are, I would say they're definitely in a, a better place in terms of keeping their nerve. And obviously, again, with some of the experience of their players. And as you say, it's it sounds simple for us to say, but to get through this almost semi-final jitters for South Africa, they've just got to win the game. They've got to see it as a, a not the semi-finals, but just any other game and just get through to that win. Yeah, that's actually very true. But you mentioned somebody who I want to actually talk about now, actually, um, Charlie Dean. Uh, I, think, I think she's played four games, taken 10 wickets, an average of 12, um, as well as uh, Sophie Eccleston, who's the leading wicket-taker in this tournament. Obviously, South Africa have got their own two in Ayabonga, Kaka, and Shubnam Ishmael, and that's going to be a battle um, across both sides. But let's let's talk about the spinners because looking at the games that you, the the, the, the final four games that England have played, um, the spinners, either being Charlie Dean or Heather Knight, have taken five wickets against New Zealand, five against India, four against Pakistan, and six against Bangladesh. And largely, it, it has been Charlie Dean and 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 and. And, and Eccleston, and in that game against South Africa in the final over, I kind of felt that in the final few overs, I kind of felt that Heather Knight ran out of spinners. And I and I was and I when I was looking at that that, that card, I was I was surprised that they didn't actually bowl Charlie Dean one more over to see if she can't eke out a wicket with the ball turning away from the right handers. Um, how important have those two been, and how important will those two be in the semi final? And also, why hasn't Charlie Dean played all the games? I mean, they're going to be. Entirely vital, I briefly mentioned that. And we mentioned last time I was on mm. about South Africa's weakness to spin. Regardless of what this wicket could look like, I think they need to go in with those two spin options 100%. And obviously with the additional spin option of Heaven Knight. We've seen throughout, you know, women's tournaments as well that obviously in a, in a kind of power hitting sense... Mm. A lot of the batters like that pace on the ball. I love facing mm. seamers because it's more about timing and less having to put mm. some of your own might. I mean, I've got no muscle to me whatsoever. So, of course, I want someone to throw the ball down at 65 miles per hour. The spin is a lot harder to generate your own power, especially, you know, coming down the wicket or hitting those square shots, a square of the wicket off slow bowlers. Mm. So, so difficult. So, the spinners in a in the women's game, you see them obviously often taking a, a bigger role. I mean, we saw with the India-South Africa game spin in the final over. South Af- um, Australia have done that quite a lot with mm. uh, Jess Jonathan. They come in, they really take the pace off the ball. And it's just yeah. difficult to score off. Um, sorry if you can hear my dogs barking in the background there. Um, but yeah, so I think they'll be really important. And this, this lack of playing Charlie Dean, I mean, I'm very biased. So I've played with Charlie for about six, seven years now. She went to my uni, mm. absolutely love her. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm definitely biased. But it, I've found it so interesting that England haven't played her in more of the games. They seem to be chopping and changing between playing Shrubsole, Dean, I think it's Davies, and then Emma mm. Lamb, when they can't quite decide if we want more batters or more bowlers. But I find that really strange because you often hear England in the men's side of things saying, thank goodness for Ben Stokes. He's the all-rounder. He brings balance into our side. So it makes the selection a lot easier. 
England should be saying the same about Nat Siver. She's that all-rounder in the England team. And therefore, sometimes these problems about them saying, should we play one extra batter? Should we play one extra bowler? Really confusing to me. Um, so I definitely would have played Charlie. I mean, you can just see from the impact she's made in those four games already that despite her inexperience, despite her age, she will just take anything on. You'll see her in the field, throwing herself around, batting. She needs a bit more confidence just to get up from that domestic level up to the international level, but she is a really good batter. She bats about five, six for kind mm. of domestic setups, but her bowling's just coming along in leaps and bounds, and you see it with the, the flight and bounce she gets. I mean, I've said to everyone at our Hampshire women's nets that you've got we know we've had the likes of Katie George, Susie Bates bowl in those nets. The batter, the bowler I'm most scared of is Charlie Dean because I've never been hit in the stomach more and winded by a bowler. <laughs> she just gets that bounce, and I'm incompetent as a batter. So, especially against those lower order batters, I'm really mm. surprised, as you say, she wasn't bowled for that extra over. She just tempts them with changes in pace, and as I said, gets that extra bounce, extra revs on the ball. But her in particular, as a, a compliment to Sophie Eccleston as well, you've got Eccleston who can just hold down an end. She will do exactly, if you need wickets, mm. you'll get your wickets. If you need her to hold down an end, she'll hold down an end. But she's got the experience, she's got the consistency. She can put the ball on the same spot six balls in a row. If you compliment that with Charlie Dean, who's, you know, she's younger, she's got less control, but she's mixing things up. She's a bit less, um, a bit more difficult to predict. And I think mm. together... I'd like to see more team. I mean, I'd like to see this in all cricket, but I think a lot of teams are scared to bowl spin at both ends. There always seems to be this inclusion of Kate Cross at the other end, which I think is absolutely fine. She plays a great role in the middle mm. overs, but sometimes just be a bit daring, have spin at both ends. It's worked well for England. Why not try it in the semi-final tonight? I actually think it's a thing with leg spin as well. I think I think teams really struggle with leg spin. Like for instance, for India in that in that final game, Deepti Sharma came in for Pune and having West South Africa play in India twice, Puna Miada was always the problem bowler. And so when they brought in Dipti Sharma, you're like, okay, it's a spin bowler, but do you have somebody who can actually take the ball away from the right-handers um, consistently? Um, and, 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 and I think, obviously, and you could see in that final game, in, in that game, yes, it was a no ball, but as you say, using your might and your power to try and clear the boundary is a question, especially in the in the in, in, in the in the death overs. And so um yeah, I, I just was surprised that and I thought maybe that was the change for England. But um look it's good to see that Charlie's probably going to play and I, I would want that if I was England because I think uh gives them every chance to win the game. If we, if we just go back to that Indian game in those little overs when Indian spinners came on we tried to hit square of the wicket, but in front of and back from the square, and we kept hitting the fielder. Over after over after over, mm. we're going to score with three, four and over, and India was suffocating us. So to have both Dean and Eccleston, who, who's number one, oh, oh gosh, she's, she's got a great future ahead of her. 22. <laughs> she's got exactly. such I a mean, good future. She is, it was quite funny, actually, because... Um, the first game she played in the tournament um, obviously was at like 1am at UK time and all of the Southampton Ladies Cricket Club who she's played for at uni were in their nightclub for their sports nights so as you can tell they maybe been having a few drinks um, and they heard she was announced and just this barrage of tweets came through spamming England cricket saying this is great news they were listening to the radio commentary in this nightclub 
and they suddenly heard the the BBC commentators kind of saying, oh, she's not pulling her lines very well now. And my uh, drunken friends emailed in to BBC TMS with a paragraph saying how much they love Charlie. She's so lovely. We love her so much. Don't be mean to her, um, which they read out loud on air. Um, I literally woke up, I think at like 2am going, hang on. And yeah, so I was deeply embarrassed by that. But it, she is just, you know, she deserves all the mm. success in the world because you get a lot of players, they get called up to their international squads. There can be ego sometimes. She is the complete opposite. Every chance she has away from international training or training with the Southern Vipers, she comes to University Nets, where a lot of the girls who play there are girls who are in their you know 20s who have never picked up a bat before. And it's so difficult. And she'll come in and she'll coach them and she'll come bowl to them and give them, you know, adapt her bowling to the experience of the batters and she'll do one-on-one sessions with the girls in her spare time as well as balancing all her university work and just coaching Mm. on the side she's just a really nice person it's one of those people who you'd never I never feel ashamed ashamed about just bigging her up because she really does deserve it yeah so from a batting side I think you spoke about Nat Sivan how important she is to England, but Sophia Dunkley's had a really good tournament. I think she holds, uh, she is the highest run get run scorer for anybody who bats six and below in this tournament. And so, um, can you just give us a, a, a little bit more color around her and, and, and her importance in the side, actually? I mean, it's quite an interesting one because I heard just after England's last game, they were like, they read out how many caps Sophia Dunkley's got, and it's over 50. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wow. went to myself and I was like, hang on a second, it feels only the other day when she was making her debut for England. And I I think it is that awful role of being a a batter number six or seven, because Mm. you are just, you go under the radar so much because you're either going to come in most likely when there is under 10 overs left at the end and you probably have to play, you know, you have to get your eye in soon. You have to start playing some more risky shots sooner and often it ends in a premature end to your innings. Or on the Mm. other hand, you come in when your team is 50 for four or 50 for five and you've got to do this, you know, difficult rebuilding innings, which sometimes doesn't go her way. So, I mean, I didn't know she was the highest run scorer for that number six position, but she, she is, you know, she's so young despite all those caps still. But I really do see her hopefully in the future. I'd like to see her move up the order a bit more for England. I'd like to see her almost in a few years in those kind of four three, four position. I don't think she could mm. ever put that out the picture because she's got the, uh, the technique for it. She's got that ability to go through the gears, which we've seen with a few of those 30s and 40s. And I'm really glad she made it past the 50 mark the other day and had that chance to kind of say, look, I'm capable of going on to make these bigger scores. I'm capable of accelerating. Mm. She has all the shots, but I mean, the, stand, the standout one is hit when she just hit straight down the ground I've actually played against her once and she hit me for a straight six where it's one of those ones where you're actually like I don't think I could be mad about this because that was the nicest <laughs> shot I've ever seen um so yeah I, she's an exciting prospect for England they definitely got her into the team at the right time because she's getting that opportunity to learn from the likes of Beaumont mm. and Siva and Knight who might actually not be in the setup in three four years time so it's it's a good experience for her and yeah she's she's a adaptable player to the situation for sure but I think her and Jones alike I, I think looking at that scorecard when I think against Bangladesh when England mm-hmm. were four down I think they were under 100 four down I tuned in at something like 3am and went oh 
we're going to be bowled out for 150 easily. But those two, I mean, it goes to show how important they are in that middle order. England have had troubles with their middle order, undoubtedly. Mm. But if those two can fire and just create a foundation, then England becomes almost a replica of that Australia team, which we spoke about, of just Mm. you get a wicket and someone else comes in, you get a wicket, someone better comes in. And that's the kind of stable middle order I think England needs to achieve, but they've been struggling to. And similarly to the Proteas, I think, They've also had some of their struggles once you get past mm. that top four and making sure those that middle order kind of fires. That's true. Yeah, yeah. We've got useful runs from Mignon lately, but you're right. In general, we have struggled. Um, what about Heather's captaincy throughout? You know, it's been it's been a roller coaster tournament. But how how do you think she's handled batting lineups, bowling partnerships, and and just things in general? I think. She, I, I do definitely. I rate Heaven like as a captain. Actually, she gives me the the kind of Owen Morgan vibes. It doesn't show too much on her face when she's in the field. It's always quite this demeanour of calmness, um, which I think is comforting for her players. But I actually think she started the tournament off in a particularly awful way. That game against Australia when they racked up over three hundred runs, and England only used five bowlers. I remember waking up and looking at the scorecard and going, what on earth? When, you're, when the team's hitting you around for over 300 runs, that's when you're getting the number two batsmen to come in and bowl their dodgy spin. <laughs> it's, you know, it was, I think that first game for me showed a, a bit of a lack of innovation. And actually there's a few losses again after that. I just think England maybe have been a bit stuck in their ways, mm. which is, is a criticism which England's faced a lot recently with, First of all, team selection. There's always this kind of feeling around the England team that it's harder to get out of the England team than it is to get in. Um, But also with those bowling decisions, they like to have their routine. They like to have Shrubso and Brunt bowl those first 10 overs, Mm. then bring in Eccleston and Cross. It's very, very the same. Uh, A good comparison, again, always comparing to Australia, why wouldn't you, is that they had that game where they they sometimes open with Perry and shoot, but in other Mm -hmm. cases they've brought Darcy Brown in to open up with Perry, and other times they've brought in Annabelle Sutherland earlier. So they really show that adaptability to what is happening in the game, who's our best-suited bowler, which England haven't always necessarily shown. Um, The recent wins against Bangladesh and Pakistan, New Zealand. I think New Zealand, she did show a bit more kind of mm-hmm. willingness to adapt to the situations. But then I do feel as if with the Pakistan and Bangladesh games, England almost just slipped back because they knew it would be a slightly easier opposition into that realm of comfort where they know what they're doing. And there's nothing wrong with that in certain games. But even though you have a plan, I think the key thing is that you just need to be able to change it and adapt it. And South Africa is a side where you need to have three options ready to go because all their batters are so different as well. The way they accumulate their runs, their different shot selections. I mean, you're presented as soon as they open up with Waldvart and Lee. So one of them's doing beautiful cover drives. And then the other ones, you know, if you bowl a slightly too straight ball, you're going to get hoiked over mid-wicket. So they need to be adaptable. I think especially with that opening partnership. Mm-hmm. Now, this could be controversial going into a semi-final, okay. but I don't think, I've been saying this since England's first four losses, is that I don't think England should be playing Brunt and Shrubsall in the same, as a, as a pair. And I think it's this 
again, this complacency, this comfort, the same as which the England men have with Anderson of Broad, that this is our combination, we stick with this combination. Mm. It makes it very hard for, first of all, newcomers to get into the team. But also, I think England's only taken something like six, seven wickets in the power plays across this competition, and three of those were against India. Brent and Shrubsall haven't quite been their best. They've had a few chances where they've come through and they've made a smaller impact, but it's nothing to what we've seen in these recent mm. years. Meanwhile, you've got Davies, who's come into the team. She's really exciting. She has that nice away movement for the batter. And she's also so useful at the end of the innings because she has those slower balls, knuckle balls, everything. She's mm. one of these younger players who has probably about 15 different mix-up deliveries. And you've also got, I mean, not that she's played a game in this tournament so far, but Tash Farron, who I'm still absolutely baffled. Mm. She hasn't been given that chance so far to go out there and play a game for England. But just in terms of this duo of Brunt and Shrubsall, it it's just not been as, effect, as effective for me as it has been in the past. And I think it would be a bold decision to make before a semi-final, getting rid of two of, well, getting rid of one of your experienced mm. bowlers. But I just think it could be quite a daring move. Again, speaking about England being prepared to be flexible for oppositions, whether they would consider dropping one of Brent or Shrubsell going into the semi-final. Yeah, that's actually quite interesting. Um, <laughs> because, uh, wow, it would be it would be scandalous, especially if they lost. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the only downside. If they lose, yeah. they suggested this, then I'm getting deported out of the country tomorrow. So, <laughs> well, you and the coach, um, <laughs> you can come to South Africa. We'll take you. Uh, um, so, what battles tomorrow do you think England needs to win in order for them to get over the line? Um, First of all, fielding. I think mm -hmm. this tournament has been crazy i mean first of all obviously you've got the fact that it feels that all the cricketers are paid i think i tweeted this i said that, that mm -hmm. it feels like they're all paid actresses because all these finishes have been crazy it feels like a period drama or telenovela with all these twists and turns and dramatic endings but the catching has been in particular strange there's either been you know cases where with the west indies last night they dropped four catches mm. and that was absolutely massive for them and we saw when england played west indies england i think dropped about 12 catches a lot of them you know completely achievable to take but then on the other hand i think this tournament has been there's been some insane catches we've seen deandra dotton we've seen was it mignon Dupree's? Was she yes on the boundary, on the boundary amazing the catch ash gardner took an incredible catch heather knight has beth mooney only yesterday took a catch at square leg which i couldn't even dream of um <laughs> so you, it's been this complete contrast between hmm. the worst drops you could imagine and some of the biggest screamers you i've ever seen taken but the the keywords consistency no team apart from, I would say, probably Australia and South Africa have exhibited that consistency in the field. That's why those two teams are at the top of the table, 100%. And that's why there was that middle of the table clash between England, India, New Zealand, West Indies, because those teams haven't been fielding up to the standard they need to. If England wants to have a chance, they, they can't put any chances down with this South African batting order, they can't give them a second chance because they'll make the most of it 100%. And suddenly, as soon as that happens, the heads go down in the field, they can run away with it entirely. And that could be the game changing moment. So for me, I'm most concerned about England's fielding. Um, and then I think as well, which a trend we've seen across this tournament is 
the decision to battle Bob first. I've actually got um, an inside insight from the camp at the ground who said that at this ground, it's a very risky decision to actually to field second because the the dew and the floodlights. I mean, we saw with, I think, uh, Mandana's drop the other day. Mm. I think it was. It was, it was on the boundary. Yeah. Yes. It was, you know, quite a simple catch, but they, she's she's played there many times at the ground and she said it's just the number one rule there. You don't want to field second. So it'll be interesting to see whether South Africa or England has got some local knowledge to see. Um, but South Africa are unbeaten in 16 matches batting second. Uh, so I think for England, it, it is one of those situations where you have to put South Africa into bat first. Um, but it, and it works with that whole rule. Um, but if, if I'm South African and if I'm Hilton, um, cutting up every piece of cloth I can find, putting it out around the field with with, with a lot of the um, with a lot of the, uh, uh, the, the the reserves and just swapping out dry dry cloths all the way through just to get through all the dew. That's what we used to do in what's what South used to do yeah. in Sri when you taught in India, especially at night. You used to have cloths everywhere towels just soaking up the, the the moisture oh my gosh so yeah there you go i didn't know that and i actually didn't know about that 16 kind of win streak batting second but i think that's a thing you can probably attribute to the the depth of their batting as well mm. a lot of their bowlers and even just main bowlers can hold their bat very well they don't lose their head in those kind of situations whilst mm. on the other hand the trend of the tournament has been to bat first I think that's where South Africa is a bit of a, an anomaly almost mm. in this tournament because you see England, they've had some wobbles. Even Australia mm. have had some wobbles and a lot of the weak teams batting second. As soon as I feel uh, the opposition gets above 250, it almost feels as if there's just this, we'll never chase that down. We can never mm. do this. Even though it's, it's such a contrast to the men's game where you see a lot of teams saying, no, we want to chase. We know how many runs we need for over. We can pace our innings. It's such a difference between the women's and the men's in this respect. I think it's good that South Africa has that ability to say, we'll bat first, we'll bowl, you know, first. We're flexible to that. Whilst a lot of the other teams, including England, don't like a run chase or just don't know how to deal with a run chase. And I think it's as well as someone who commentates on domestic women's games, mm. as soon as the toss is decided, we we put not real bets for legal reasons, but yes. fake, <laughs> fake bets on going, they're going to lose. Like 100%. Yeah, exactly. But it's just, it's just, I mean, in the domestic game, it's crazy how many teams just can't chase, especially in T20s we've seen as well. As soon as the score goes over 120, and it's something I think in the women's game particularly, a lot of teams can look to South Africa and say, how have they been so successful in this department? Let's try and replicate what they do. That's a Interesting. Interesting. Okay, so what is your heart and your head telling you in terms of the uh, terms of the result? Oh my gosh. So I'm so torn on this, and I'm such a bad patriot in some elements of it because obviously I'm so pleased for England, as I've said, this bit of hope in English cricket. And I do think it's really impressive for them to come back from those three losses to four consecutive wins, get themselves into the semi-final. And thank goodness it's semi-final against South Africa, not Australia. No offence intended to South Africa, but I think everyone breathed a fresh breath of air when they realised they weren't against Australia. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited for this fixture. I think if England do win, it would be great to see them go up against Australia, get that chance of redemption after the Ashes. But then 
part of me is also like, one, if England go through to the semi-finals, I don't want there to be this attitude in the England setup and say, okay, this is all, you know, those problems we had in the first three games, they're nothing. We can brush them under the rug entirely. And that is something I feel they could do if England pro- progressed to that final. But I think that can't be done. There is a lot of problems, I think, coming out of this World Cup and this Ashes series for England, which they need to address before the summer. Mm-hmm. First of all, was complacency against these teams who didn't used to be a threat to the England of five years ago. But as we've said, India, South Africa, West Indies, New Zealand, they've all risen to England's level now. So they, they can't be complacent against those teams. They've got to you know, go out there as if they're playing Australia and really be competitive and, for example, mm-hmm. like that. And then I think as well, a few of the players, this could be kind of the last tournament for them. Two names come to mind with Lauren Winfield-Hill and potentially mm-hmm. Annie Shrubsoll. Um, there has kind of been murmurs and rumours around the camp about those two players. And as we've said, <laughs> what I said about it's quite hard to get out of the England team. I think after this tournament, England need to have a look at themselves and say, right, we've seen how other teams have taken a chance on youth in this tournament. And the one young player we've taken a chance on, really, in Charlie Dean, she has the top you know, economy rate of the tournament. And I just think hopefully that, you know, Charlie's performance in this tournament will give them a push to go look at our performers in the England Lions. You've got Eve Jones, you've got Lauren Bell, you've got Izzy Wong. Let's give them a chance. They bowl quick, Lauren Bell and Izzy Wong particularly. Izzy Wong is such Mm -hmm. a character. Why not give, give them a game this summer? Let's take a real introspective look at our squad and say, how can we do what other teams are doing and integrate this, this youth into our team? And then again, I'm not a I'm an awful patriot for this, but I love and not to say again South Africa is an underdog, but in the whole scheme of the World Cup with this consistent England's one, Australia's one, mm-hmm. England's one, Australia's one, part of me would love to see a non-England Australia final. And I know I can't say that and you know I'd BBC That's here, okay. I don't think we're gonna be airing this in, in the UK, so you can say exactly. that. Yeah. Good, good, good. <laughs> but I, I just <laughs> Part of me would just really like to see the chance of, I mean, first of all, as I said, a, no, a different team mm. in the final. It'd be great to see I'm South Africa get me. past that semi-final stage. And I just, I think it would be great for the women's game. And I think out of all the teams in this competition who I can see beating Australia is South Africa. England coming off that Ashes campaign with Australia, I have this fear that if they did get through to the final and playing against them, they just adopt this mindset straight away of, oh, we'll never beat them. We didn't beat them in the ashes. How are we meant to beat them now? And it would just feel a bit deflating. Whilst I feel that South Africa have this element of we will take anything on. My friend who, again, is in the camp, she's gone to me. She said, England, are, they're being a bit nervy. They're being a bit edgy at the moment. Whilst she's been speaking to the South African players, they are so happy. They are so excited. There's such this mood around the camp that they've got this momentum. They can take it on. And I just think that actually looking towards that final, if any team could beat Australia, I think it could be South Africa. Yeah. And I'm I'm a firm believer that if you face a team twice in the World Cup, you should beat them, even if you've lost them before. So my theory then would say England will go through, but it's not going to work tomorrow morning, but it will work on Sunday when we play Australia. Tim, I have a question for you. Um, What's the battle that South needs to overcome tomorrow to get themselves over the line? As um, Melissa said, the spin bowling. When Dean and Eccleston bowl together, 
uh, or on their own. We have to, have to, at, at least not get suffocated by them. We saw against India, and they brought them on as little overs, how many times we tried to hit the ball square of the wicket, and again and again it was fielded by the fielder, mm -hmm. which created a lot of pressure mm -hmm. towards the end of our innings. Um, so it's, it's, we've got to be able to see off the spin bowlers. Have to. Yeah. That's uh, actually quite, that's actually, because I was listening to Sine's uh, press conference earlier this morning and her demeanor is so positive. She is so excited. She, well, she doesn't know what she's going to say to the, to, to the ladies tomorrow, but she's saying that, look, we've never been to a final before. We don't know how to get there. Well, they do know theoretically how to get there, but mentally it's, it's not a massive hurdle because they've never been to the final. There's no expectations. Um, and, and, and and I love that. And I think that team spirit is probably what's going to get them through over the line. They've played some incredible cricket. They haven't played their best cricket, uh, but I hope that they save the best for that final game. Um, I think tomorrow's going to be quite competitive, actually, Melissa. I think it's going to be quite uh, very tight, um, similar to that first game, because that first game went down to that final over. And I wouldn't have bowled. Um, I think was it was it was it Nat Silver? Was it Kate Cross? Was Nat Silver bowled that final over? I actually would have gone with. Actually, look, it's either Heather Knight or Charlie Dean. It was one of those two. Um, but um, yeah, look, I, I, I think it, it might go down to that. Um, Melissa, I just want to say thank you very much for joining us. I think Dan, one of our listeners and our followers, says that you are a delight. So thank you very much uh, for doing this. Um, so. Um, yeah, I wish you all the best tomorrow. Um, it's going to be not too much, not too much best. Yeah, no, exactly. but we have like, like, look, it, it's it's sport. Anything can happen tomorrow. The toss could turn yeah, everything. Um, somebody could drop the ball, but like, I wish you um, all the best. Somebody could hey, bowl no ball. Oh my word, that was that was insane. Um, but. I just want to say, I want to say this is the Momentum Protest. If you guys are listening to this when you're waking up, whatever it is today, I uh, wish you all the best. We're so proud of you. We're so proud of you. And, like, honestly, like, this is that moment. It's it's not a it is a big moment. And as, as Sine said, it has so much, so many ramifications down the line, how well this team does in this World Cup. And, and Melissa says, obviously, we want to get you to the finals and win it. Because if you win the World Cup and you come back as world champions, the landscape of women's cricket in South Africa will change forever. Um, and so that is what's so important. And it's not about that weight on your shoulders. It's about enjoying the game. And I think, I hope they actually do enjoy the game. I think both sides, I hope they do enjoy the game because the game of cricket was supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be yeah. drama. <laughs> but yeah, we end yeah. up getting dramatic situations. But yeah. um really excited for them. And yeah, you say it's 2 a.m., Melissa. For us, it's 3 a.m. So... Uh, <laughs> Look, wow. so, yeah, but look, we're going to watch it anyway. We're going to go through it all. And, yeah, um, all the best. And thank you very much for joining us, Melissa. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Sure. Cheers. Pleasure. Timmy, thank you very much, my friend. To everybody, remember, it's 3 a.m. tomorrow morning. Go out and get them momentum projects. Go out and get them. Take us to that final and take us home. Bring that trophy home. Wish you all the best. One last thing for me, Tim. Any changes to the eleven, or are you keeping the same eleven? I was having a look at having a look at the numbers, at the stats, and, and uh, the performers. 
and uh, with, with that with that ring of of uh, playing an extra spinner from mm. you that I've been hearing. I and don't I think want that. to hear anymore. I I'm, think I'm so. I think we go with we go with the same eleven. That we same eleven. Basabata class has had an insane tournament. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, oh, by the way, it's 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 Lizelle's hundredth game tomorrow and Sunay's hundredth game tomorrow. So congratulations to them. She didn't know in the press conference. Lita was like, "It's your hundredth game tomorrow." She's like, "Oh wow!" Um, so yeah, really excited for the future of the, of cricket in South Africa. And this is just the beginning. Win or lose, truly, truly proud. But do follow us tomorrow. We'll be live at three a.m. South African time. Take you through to the test match starting at ten a.m. And then we'll flip over the the. the the stream on onewsr.com to go into the test match for the men's team because we don't care about men's cricket. So we'll start with the first hour. We'll do that. You guys enjoy the cricket. We'll be screaming our lungs out, um, trying to get the women over the line. But tomorrow it's all about momentum protest. So wish you all the best. Thank you, everyone. Goodbye. Good night. And the Sale Kakafiso. Mm -hmm.